Welcome to The Laundry, conscious conversations for awakening women who have better things to do. I'm your host, Elise Nation, intuition and manifestation coach and highly sensitive mum of two, on a mission to inspire you to become the Shiro of your story. Join me as each week we explore how to unlock your potential to create a life you love full of ease, joy, and magic. Hello, beautiful humans. Welcome back to episode three of season two. How does it get any better? And before I jump into this week's episode, I just wanted to say a big thank you again for each and every one of you that tunes in, that listens to this podcast. Um, I hope you enjoy the content and the conversations. I certainly enjoy creating them for you. Um, And I would really love to hear your feedback. If you feel inspired to write a review, you can do that um, on Apple and Spotify. If you have the capacity and generosity of spirit, um, I'd also love to invite you to donate to the podcast. The link's in the show notes and each and every one of your contributions goes back into the podcast to continue creating magic and possibilities for all of you. So this week, I'm really excited to revisit a conversation that I've touched on in a number of episodes previously. But as I've said to you on many occasions, a lot of um, my free flow episodes are me tuning into what's showing up in my world, what's the theme, um, and what do I get as relevant to share with you all. And The drama triangle has been up, 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 swirling around a tornado of joy and drama in my face. (laughs) And so um, I want to revisit this model developed by Stephen Cartman in the 1960s um, called the drama triangle. And this model actually identifies how we behave in conflict. Um, And this is something I've really noticed seems to be quite a prominent theme for this year of simultaneously, side by side, there'll be absolute magic and miracles and joy and possibility happening. And at the exact same time, you may experience like conflict or drama or just something that is the opposite of that that's, that's happening at the same time. And I feel that in life, we really can't get away from these things. They tend to happen um, when you'd least expect it or when it feels like everything's going right and then something just pops up and it can be a real distraction. It can be a real like energy leak. And I just hoped by sharing a little bit more about my experience with this and diving a little bit deeper into it this episode. that it may just empower you to consider things a little bit differently. (laughs) Um, We can try, right? (laughs) So I think back to the first time that I saw the drama triangle, it was actually during a workshop with um, one of the world's renowned transformational therapists to the stars. Her name's Tamara Antonia Wright. She's had a whole list of incredible people, Michael Jackson, Lionel Richie, um, Peter Brock. Um, Gina Reinhardt, no, Gina Liano. (laughs) 
um, the Hiltons. She's just connected with all the peoples. And her workshop was so incredible. Um, I found it at a time when I was really in the lowest of lows. This is like over 10 years ago now. Um, and the drama triangle, it just still, it's still with me. It pops up every now and then as like this little reminder of like, hello, look what you're doing, look what you're choosing. Um, and now is one of those times where it's been brought back to my awareness um, because of what's been showing up in my relationship lately with the father of my children, the co-parent, the co-parent of my life, soulmate, um, as we navigate separation and don't even get me started on this whole thing about conscious uncoupling. <laughs> that sounds really great um, in theory at times. Um, but hey, we all still have wounds. We have little inner children, inner teenagers that um, like to win and like to be right. So the drama triangle, as I shared, is this model that identifies how we behave in conflict and in drama. And we usually assume one or all of the roles. So imagine a triangle at one point, you've got the persecutor. The persecutor is the part that says, I'm right and it's your fault. And the rescuer, we know the rescuer is like, I'm good, let me help you, I'm the saviour, saviour syndrome. Um, and the victim, the victim is the one who's, I'm, I can never be blamed, it's never my fault, poor me. And just for a moment, I'd love you to consider if any of those roles are familiar to you. Because each of us has a default role that we fall into in conflict and the roles aren't static so we can spin through all three of the roles in the course of one conversation or even one sentence. Um, and back then when I first was exposed to this concept, I could clearly see where I was playing the victim role and that my default at the time was to be in the victim seat wanting desperately for someone to come and save me, to love me. Um, and I really didn't like that awareness all that much because the, the other part of me, my ego was like, I'm not a helpless victim. Who wants to be that? <laughs> um, and over the following years, I remember really just deciding that I kind of put a blanket over the others almost like blinders and was just so focused on not wanting not being a victim um and I definitely found myself choosing less and less of that however I believe maybe unconsciously putting myself more and more into a rescuer role and when I think about it it's like maybe it seems a little bit more noble doesn't it like being a rescuer instead of being a victim it's like better but maybe only slightly because when you sit yourself in the in the rescuer role, if you're like me, I'm highly empathic and have the ability to see other people's wounds, their soul learnings, their emotional baggage, their sufferings, um, their traumas. But also on the flip side of that, I have the access to viewing all of the potential pathways beyond that to happiness, to joy, to possibility, and seeing the gifts that you know someone has come in with. Um, and actually all of the goodness that is available to them 
on the on the flip side of that. And now having been witness to so much magic and absolute miracles, I actually discovered this core desire and need of my own for others to know that this is available to them should they choose it. And after working with a buttload of clients and having some wonderful partnerships and experiences um, with that energy, here is the kicker, that everyone has a choice, but the hard reality to swallow is that a lot of people like may not choose greater. Um, they like to complain about their circumstances. Um, but if they're still choosing it, then they're actually getting something from it. And there's a part of them that actually really likes what it creates, even if it's, it sounds like counterintuitive of like, but they're complaining about what they're creating. Um, but they're still choosing it. And why does this happen? Well, usually what I've, what I've noticed is it either gives them a sense of belonging because others respond to them when they are in need. Um, just think about like when a child might do something negative and it's not that they're trying to do something negative specifically, it's that they're actually wanting to get attention or response. Um, and so we do this as we get older, like we we enact behaviors that actually aren't a kindness to us. They're, they're very toxic. They're very negative. They're not empowering. However, if we're getting a response from it, then it often also satisfies the need of a sense of control um, to give a feeling of safety and comfort in a weird way. Because we know, like, if I do this action, then I'll get this reaction and then I'll get this result. And that makes me feel safe. If something in my reality is challenging me and making me feel uncomfortable, then I can feel a sense of control by, like, creating this drama over here. <laughs> Isn't it fun being human? <laughs> um, but more recently in what feels like some kind of like a crescendo of my last 10-year degree in circumnavigating this drama triangle beyond the victim, beyond the rescuer, I've witnessed myself in this last cycle falling into moments of unconsciousness and taking the stance as the persecutor. And holy shit has it invited me into a whole new level of learning to love all of what society would deem as the ugliest parts of myself um, and coincidentally showing up in that in this like poop soup with my beloved mirror of a soulmate, um, co-daddy of my babies. So it leads me to the next question, like why do we get stuck on the triangle? Why do we attach to these roles? Well, we do it in order to be right. And usually the tighter we grasp onto being right, the stucker we get. And so when we're caught in the triangle, we approach conflict feeling justified in whatever role that we're playing. We feel right and righteous. And we usually have plenty of like evidence to justify our position. Um, and 
as I'm speaking to this, I'm like laughing at myself of just the most recent experience I, I'm in um, where I feel so justified in my position um, in being like this persecutor role. It's almost like um, I've not wanted to be the, you know, the victim, the helpless victim. I'm not wanting to rescue the person because I'm wanting to really come from an empowering place um, and show them what's possible. But I'm still coming from this other, like I call like this arrogant dictator <laughs> um, where I'm so stuck in my own perspective and my own um, points of view that I'm not really allowing it to be an open, um, collaborative conversation. It's really just like um, dominate or be dominated. And I really see this a lot, um, especially, unfortunately, in the way our beautiful men have been programmed. If they step into the business arena, a lot of the old paradigm of business is like um, still underlying that kill or be killed. It's and there's this way that even I've seen um, in old school sales tactics, in old school negotiations, where there's this slight manipulation um, and it's not in the consideration of what is good for all. It's sort of like um, only there can only be like one a winner. Um, someone has to win and someone has to lose. And if you consider this righteousness um, to do with each role, it makes a lot of sense. So when you rescue, if you're in the rescuer position, you feel justified in being perceived as good and helpful. Who could argue with someone who's being helpful? Um, but in order to rescue, you must have someone to save, so there has to be a victim. And you ne you end up enabling them or being their crutch. And this is how like codependency happens because you strip them of their ability to help themselves and, and that's actually not helpful at all. <laughs> um, and when you persecute, you feel justified in holding someone or something accountable. And this usually shows up as control, blame, manipulation, mistrust, judgment, bullying. And you need a victim in order to be right. And then finally, if you're playing victim, you feel justified that something has happened to you outside of your control. Uh, this could like show up as neediness, negativity, fear, or the poor me mindset. And you end up needing or attracting someone to rescue you. And so no matter how justified we feel, we actually become entrenched and we don't generally get much close to solving the core problem um it's like a bit of a catch-22 we feel right but we don't feel resolved which means that in order to resolve conflict maybe we we aren't right after all and as someone who's one of my core values is peace um and I specifically know I've had like a lifetime where I was a monk on a mountain and I just loved being in silence away from the world um, and particularly avoiding any kind of conflict. And I still find that in, my, in, my, in this life um, where I love silence, I love peace, um, 
I can't stand conflict. I don't like feeling anxious or like um, my nervous system is like under threat. But the thing that I've realized is that um, we'll always be in conflict on some level when we're building with and leading people. It's just part of co-inhabiting space with others who have differing points of view, different experiences, different traumas. Um, and it's really unavoidable. And if you want to be here and enjoy yourself and actually live life to the fullest, then what I've realized is that we need to cultivate these tools to be able to actually navigate and hold the calm when the chaos erupts. And we can do that by taking responsibility for how we show up in drama and make a choice to shift to um, solution-orientated perspective. And I like thinking about, I mentioned before, um, this piece of wisdom I received from one of my guides that um, all problems are already solved. So when something uncomfortable arises, it's like reminding us ourselves that this issue has actually already been solved and I'm just now getting to have the joy of the experience of putting the breadcrumbs together, putting the puzzle piece together um, and also um, strengthening aspects of you um, and exercising these skills. So. Um, what was really exciting is that beyond this model of the drama triangle, uh, an education researcher named A.C. Choi developed the winning triangle in the 1990s. And so her interpretation gives us these tools to take conflict from drama to winning. And Whereas, like I've mentioned, the drama triangle is very black and white. It's like win or lose way to view the world. The winning triangle is um, replacing each drama role with a specific skill so that we can better relate to others when we're in conflict. And ultimately, this is creating a win-win approach um, to problem solving or solution orientation. Um, and with practice, and awareness, and effort, um, it does get easier to shift out of drama. And I have really, really noticed this. I can tell you it's taken a lot of work. As I said, this sort of came to my awareness like over 10 years ago, and I'm still a student. I feel like at times I'm like back in grade one. Um, but I can acknowledge how much stronger I am um, within myself that my nervous system doesn't freak out and just send me off the rails when um, a disagreement arises or when someone shares a point of view that's different to mine and maybe they're a little bit triggered by something I've sh I've shared and I don't have to take it all on as like my responsibility to sort of rescue them from their feelings or um, judge them for for their points of view or their reactions. So my beautiful friends, I'd love to hear 
what you felt about this conversation, um, if you can recognize yourself in any of those roles and what steps you'd like to set for yourself this year to to shift out of that drama triangle and step more into the winning triangle. Um, I will put all of the information and links um, to those methods in the show notes. Of course, you can reach out to me on my social platforms, the links in the show notes as well, and communicate with me there. Send me a message. Let me know your thoughts. Um, I'd love to connect with you. Also, I'm very excited to announce that after a little bit of a hiatus, I am now offering soul contract sessions again. This is um, a powerful process um, and gift that I've been given to be able to tune into your soul's blueprint to help you understand um, agreements that you've made with other souls before birth, um, often around significant relationships, help you understand life lessons perhaps navigate certain traumas and wounds and really make sense of your life and why things have been the way they are. Um, What are the gifts as well as the talents that you've been given that you may not have fully accessed to be able to help you overcome those challenges and step more fully into your full, potent, powerful, beautiful self? Um, And everyone that's had these sessions has always said that it really just helps them put the puzzle pieces of their life together um, and to feel really complete um, in their understanding to move forward and to create their life from a totally different space instead of by accident and by like fate really stepping into destiny. So if you're requiring that for this year, if you're needing some support, if you're needing clarity and direction, please reach out to me. I'm offering those sessions now they're online you can find information in the show notes and i hope you've enjoyed this episode i'm sending all my love and i can't wait to catch you in two weeks time in the spirit of reconciliation this podcast acknowledges the traditional custodians of country throughout australia and their connections to land sea and community we pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all aboriginal and torres strait islander peoples today